Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Wherever you are listening from, we are glad that you have joined us. Please follow us on Instagram at Sean Gaby and at Supernatural Leadership Podcast and or visit kingdomculture.ca or seangaby.com for more engaging content around topics we will be discussing. As well, you would love it if you would leave a review on this podcast as it helps boost our ability to get this content out to more people. If you are new with us today, just want to inform you that we will be releasing a new episode on the first Wednesday of every month and every so often a bonus episode. So make sure to hit the subscribe button so you can keep up to date with every episode. There are so many great leadership podcasts out there and truthfully, I love so many of them. So why supernatural leadership? Really, it's the difference between presence and principle as we discuss in episode one. The very first episode of this podcast really sets the tone for the why and purpose for this podcast. I would encourage you to have a listen if you haven't already. Simply put, we believe everyone has a leader within them at some capacity. Whether you're a CEO, non-for-profit director, media mogul, church leader, pastor, small business owner, manager of teams, a dad, a mom, and well, the list could go on. If everyone has a leader within them, why not make that leader a little more supernatural? That's the heart and goal behind this podcast, helping you connect your natural with God's super, making your leadership a little more supernatural. At the end of every episode, there will be practical activations and exercises to help us grow and mature in the various areas discussed. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome again to another episode of our Supernatural Leadership Podcast. My name is Sean Gaby, and our hope and our heart for you is that this podcast would help you, the leader, become a little more supernatural. Today, we have a very, very special guest, friend of mine, someone I've known for eight years, Tommy Green. He's an incredible individual, an inspiring individual. Tommy Green was the front man for 12 years in a hardcore band called Sleeping Giant. They recorded five albums, hundreds of shows around the world. Uh, he is the founder of the Rev Gatherings in 2009, planting many churches over the last 10 years in four different countries. He is the man on the Rev Talks podcast leadership show. Encourage you to check that out. He's also the founder of Run Against Traffic, which is a charitable organization to become the largest charity running team in the human trafficking space to raise funds and support for the long-term aftercare and restoration of its victims. And that was started in 2018. He's also in real estate and launching a real estate business in this coming season. And he is married to the amazing Chrissy Green with four kids, ages 20, 10, 7, and 4. Tommy Green, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Dude, I'm doing good, man. Talk more about Chrissy Green. She's great. She's <laughs> she <dope>. is. She's <laughs> She is amazing. <laughs> Behind every great man, there is a greater woman rolling that, her eyes at that man. <laughs> that is the truth, man. That is the truth. I think there's even a scripture that says, if you find a wife, you find favor. You find a good thing. And man, let me tell you, you are favored because of your wife. She's actually, she's incredible. That's we love fact. Chrissy. My wife and That's I love, love Chrissy. We love you. Love your family. And uh, so, so grateful to get to know you over the years. And just as we dive into this, I just want to kind of build a, a premise for this whole conversation. And uh, it's around, of course, Daniel. I mean, Daniel in the Bible was an inspiring leader, you know, and the whole podcast that we do once a month called the Supernatural Leadership Podcast is built on this premise of taking your leadership and seeing that leadership become a little more supernatural and in its environment, whatever environment your leadership finds itself in, uh, whatever sphere, whatever mountain you're on called to occupy in life, whether it's family, whether it's business, whether it's media, arts and entertainment, whatever area you're called to occupy the most, uh, I just believe that God wants us to become not just good leaders, but supernatural leaders. And Daniel really walked in this. I mean, he served in the political sphere for over 
60 years. He was a man who was faithful. He was trustworthy. Uh, he was a, tr- a trusted leader in, you know, serving many different kings, corrupt kings, and yet somehow he found respect in the culture. Um, you know, he was, he, obviously he served the the God of the Hebrews. He served Yahweh. He, he was the one that stood out amongst the rest. In fact, I mean, even Daniel, he was known to be 10 times better than all the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers. He was given charge over them. And he influenced culture as a result. He influenced the kings of his day that he was serving under. He influenced the people around him because he was a supernatural leader. There was something different about him. He doesn't. He wasn't just a good guy. He was a good guy with a supernatural God, the God of all gods, like Jesus mm. himself. And so, you know, I, I want to start this off because I feel like one of the things I love about you, Tommy, is you've been like a Daniel. You've been like a Daniel in uh, the hardcore scene. And f- first and foremost, let's just let's just talk about what that is because I think a lot of people, a lot of listeners out there, may not know what the what I would call the underground hardcore scene is. Can you just give us a little bit of a? Because this connects back to you, you as a frontman for twelve years in the band Sleeping Giant, whom which I love. I love listening to your music. It's amazing. It's amazing workout music. You know. Yes. And uh, <laughs> but I, just before we dive into this, just describe what is hardcore, you know, what, what kind of environment was sleeping giant primarily in? Wow. That's a great question. Um, yeah. Uh, well, thank you. First off. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, it's cool to kind of see and hear even Daniel's story being, being a voice in, um, a sphere of influence that many people on, on, on the outside would say like, that's, that's a fully like anti, that's anti everything we are. How does this guy like kind of hold his peace and maintain? That's interesting to think about that culturally. So I, I would say for people that don't know much about it, the hardcore scene is um, to me a very distinctly American subculture. Um, the music is essentially like a hybrid of punk rock and metal and it was created uh out of necessity um by a lot of like what i would call throwaway kids uh on the east coast it's a street style of music it's um a bit more aggressive than traditional punk and new waves um maybe not as uh um as talented and crazy as uh, a lot of metal bands, but there's influences from all of them. It's, it's metallic and it's grinding and it's fast. And uh, it started in the punk rock scene. Um, and in a lot of ways, it, it's just, it's developed over time. So for those of you guys that don't know, um, it's similar to the hip hop scene in that the hip hop scene on the East coast started, you know, a full generation ago. And now within one generation, it's mainstream. And so for the people in pop culture that maybe aren't aware of some of these subculture movements, the American hardcore scene, you know, started 30, 40 years ago. And in a lot of ways, um, that scene is now very much like connected to the mainstream. Um, So the vocals are usually yelling, uh, screaming, really aggressive, uh, really kind of heavy rhythmic dance parts, really fast, chaotic, um, not the same song structure as traditional pop. And so there's a lot that goes into the hardcore scene. Um, some, of the, some of the bands that people would know in other genres, uh, bands like the Beastie Boys, you know, they started as like a hardcore punk band. And really? then they started, they started the Beastie Boys like rap group as almost like a joke. And uh, they would I didn't they would know that. Out. Yeah, like it's interesting. What you'll see is like a Law & Order Special Vic- Victims Unit has an actor who's a hip hop artist, an underground hip hop artist named Ice-T. Ice-T was in a metal band called Body Count. Body Count used to play with the Beastie Boys and Cro-Mags. And Ice-T's been basically connected to the hip-hop scene and to the punk rock and hardcore scene for, you know, 30, 40 years at this point. And so it's a real interesting bleed over because, again, it's a street style of music. It's for subculture kids that in many ways, um, I we joke about it. And w- my friends and I, we joke about how uh, – hardcore is essentially hip-hop for punk rockers um it's like it's a heavy style of music for just to be funny about it primarily really angry poor 
pissed off white kids. Um, and, and so again, it's like, it's just an interesting thing, but in starting in the melting pot of New York or Washington, DC, I mean, it's, it's cultural, but it, it expresses the pain and the frustration and the anger of subculture youth. And so it's primarily a lot of young men. That's not to say there's not like tons of, of girls and women involved, but it was, it's primarily like, it's a really aggressive, almost like a hyper-masculine kind of sound for that subculture. So it's, it's essentially like, it's like in the punk rock scene, it's dudes yelling and screaming, kids jumping all over the place. The dancing is aggressive. Um, it's just a, it's a real intense kind of culture and music. So that's I love the it. hardcore scene. Yeah. I love so. it, man. I, I actually, like, you know, I, I grew up going to, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of shows. I started out in the punk rock scene mm-hmm. and then transitioned, which often happens right into the hardcore scene uh, mm-hmm. in the nineties, you know, and I, man, I, it was some of the best shows to go to and just yeah. mad respect on these guys that could throw down these technical rhythms, breakdowns, and like their body would just be in a place of just, it would be going, going bananas at the same time. And it still sounds good. Like there was a, there's a performance edge to it, a technical yeah. edge to it. And then just like the energy that it releases in the room. But the thing I love about what you guys did is that, you know, I've had a lot of conversations about you with people over the past several years as I got to know you as a friend. And I I heard this quite a few times from people that knew of Sleeping Giant. And they would always say the same thing. Tommy Green is a legend in the hardcore metal scene. Why do you Mm -hmm. think that they would say that? I, you know, I don't, <laughs> I think because I grew up around a lot of really serious people. I, I cared deeply about the hardcore community and I, I played a role. I, I was a drummer in bands. I went to shows for years. Um, I didn't get a chance to sing in a band for, for a long time. And um, I, I'm saying this honestly, you know, it, it's not a primarily faith-based place. Um, it, again, it gives voice to uh, expression, pain, positivity, protest. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a very intense sort of place. And you better, in a lot of ways, it's like, you have to come correct, I think, or you're going to get called out. It's not a place that, um, you can be, it's, it's like born of conviction. And so I'm saying that to say, I, I grew up as a young kid around a lot of really very intense and very serious people. And to me, those guys are like, legends so i don't know i i think within the the christian hardcore scene which is sort of like a subculture within a subculture um it's like black sheep within the black sheep because in many ways a lot of hardcore people are like why are you bringing organized religion and all of the potential biases and the and the, right, the right. dial why are you bringing that to this culture like we don't yeah. need that so in a lot of ways, it's, it is, it's, it's intensely subversive. It's also deeply prophetic. And um, just by definition, it's, it's, it's a prophetic culture. And so to, to be a Christian, to become a Christian in that scene, which is what I say, like there's a story in the Bible where Jesus uh, heals a man and the guy says, can, you, can I come with you? And Jesus says, no, stay. And so for me, that's closer to my story where like I, I was found... Uh, by Jesus. And, and I stayed. Um, I I didn't have a desire to get away from the culture. I was, I was a part of it. And so he gave me grace to be there. And so my growth as a disciple with, with my friends and my close knit community that all, there was a lot of them that were Christians and a ton of them that weren't. So I had a good place to draw from and to grow in my faith. I would say that, um, I was looking up to a whole different culture of, of people and they were not messing around. These were serious, intense individuals. And so I learned not like the, very, no, just, to, just to clarify, do you mean intense, serious in sense of like in their faith or no, tense? I mean, like, what, like, do you, what do you mean by in that? In their conviction. I mean, they were, they were terrifying people and they, uh, they were deeply violent. They were super angry. And this is they in were, the scene. This is in the scene yeah, that you were in. in. Okay. Yeah, in the culture I was a part of. And and so again, you got to think within this culture uniquely, 
it, it is, I have a friend that taught on subculture uh, ministry and he said it really well. That's where I get the verbiage. He said the hardcore scene is intensely, it's like hyper-masculine. And so it's a culture that respects strength, uh, brutality, violence. It, it, there's a lot of fear and a lot of anger in the hardcore scene. And so I, I was a product of that as a kid that was deeply angry and informed by abuse and addiction and wanting to push that stuff away. I was drawn to that culture to try to make a change personally. So here you are. Right. So here you are. I mean, if I can just interject here, you are growing up in a culture personally, even outside of the music scene where you're feeling all these things that you're describing that are represented in the hardcore scene. So you're naturally drawn like a magnet towards it. But then along the journey, you have this encounter with Jesus changes your life. And if we have time for that, we can share that later, but you know, changes your life, sets you on a new path. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, you're called for something more Then you start this, you know, band, you're in this band called sleeping giant. You start finding sort of your, yourself, your voice. Now, how does, how is Tommy as somebody that loves Jesus in this environment uh, yeah. become the supernatural leader that he's called to be. You're, oh, you're, you're in that, yeah. you're in that space, I think, you know? <clears throat> I think the reason that we matter to the people that we matter to, the reason that we were able to have, let's call it like a reputation of integrity, m- maybe. There's people that are pissed at us and probably hate us too. But for the people that would actually respect what we were about, I believe that the testimony of our band, because there's a lot more than just me in this, it's, it's, it, the grace that was on us was almost the combined respect and grace and favor of all the dudes in the band. We all held ourselves in a, in the way that we could. And I would say that the reason that we created a lane recently in hardcore history, right? Cause it's just generational, it's just cyclical. Yeah. There's, there's, there's new bands and old bands all the time. So in our little time, I think the, the thing that we did was what was disruptive to the culture about us was that um, I was I was deeply in love with Jesus and I didn't turn that off when we got on stage And, and, and the thing is with that though I mean okay so we would say I'm sure there's other bands out there let's say they call themselves you know Jesus followers or Christians in a band they would say oh we deeply love Jesus and like I I love a lot of those bands nothing against those bands at all Mm-hmm. I think when I hear people say Tommy was a legend is that you weren't just a Jesus follower in a band playing music. Mm-hmm. You were like a Jesus follower in a band that had a purpose and an objective to mm-hmm. so share your faith with every audience that it yeah. actually transformed the audience. It transformed yeah. the people. It impacted mm-hmm. spiritually. I think, you know, I can go to a show and be impacted by the environment emotionally, wowed by the performance. But if I leave a show, like a hardcore show, and I'm like questioning whether or not, you know, I know God or or questioning life in a different way than I did when I came in the show, or I leave healed, my body's healed, it wasn't healed when I walked in and I leave healed. Man, that's a whole other level of impact. And yeah. you, I think part yeah. of your, what I would say, legendary status, I know that you would never call yourself that. I'm calling you that <laughs> because because I've heard people say it, right? And I'm just repeating what I've heard people say. I know that you would never say that, but I, I, I really think that the reason why they would say that to you is because yeah. like I've talked about on this podcast many times about the word of knowledge, about healing, mm. about, you know, walking in and the prophetic and and really demonstrating like Daniel did the supernatural in an environment where the supernatural is not respected like mm. maybe it would be in a comfortable church setting where everybody believes the in the supernatural or believes in the gifts of the spirit or believes in all this totally. stuff operating yeah, so yeah. here you are you're a legend because you I feel like you gave a voice to let's say other Christians or Jesus followers in a band to kind of go a little mm-hmm. further, take it a little further. Cause I know yeah. for a yeah. fact, and whether or not, you know, we say the names, I know for a fact there are others out there that are following in your footsteps that are inspired Tommy. by your journey. And they're so, saying to themselves, like if Tommy and sleeping giant could do this, like 
we can we do can this. Do we can do this. And so, well, and so just, I mean, that's the, yeah, that's the hope. I think for us, like when I say that I was, I was radically in love with Jesus, which influenced the style of songs that we played. So everything we did in the hardcore scene could only, could only ride because we were creating music. But what I felt was an actual mandate or space to preach. I wanted to be able to bring the, the message and story of Jesus to people. And the band had my back in saying, we're going to cut our set short if we need to. So, wow. that you, can, so you can do the thing. Because it was, it was as important every show to play songs. It was as important to share, to, to, to share the testimony of wow. who Jesus really was and to open it up and say, you know, um, if you're here and you've got injury in your body, if, you're, if, you, if you've been injured, we want to believe that the cross of Jesus is enough to heal your physical body. If, you're, if you are here and you're, you're just, you know, overwhelmed with the shame and the failure of mistakes, you need to know that you're not alone. And you're not alone because Jesus is here and, and that there can be forgiveness. And if you need prayer, if you just need someone to encourage you, come up to the front at the end and we're just going to pray. And I would stay, we would stay for hours just praying for people. We, we would give an opportunity for kids that may have, I, hopefully we galvanized. I would say it like this, like to put it in a biblical uh, framework is like, th there's something about this, the message in Luke where Jesus says, there's a forerunner thing that happens. There's a dude that goes ahead. And what he begins to do is he turns the hearts of fatherless people towards their father. And he turns the hearts of fathers towards the children. He does a shift, but he does it. The way, the way that shift is accomplished is he makes wisdom look like a good idea. Wow. And so that's what I felt like we got to do. And, and I had like one of the testimony, like we have testimonies from shows of we played, we played sets and we shared our message and we pray and we would pray beforehand. So be, wait, just wait, before you go there, I want to just yeah. say one thing. I want to talk about this yeah. because I want to build a segue into what you're going to say. Sure. Because you brought the supernatural into your environment. You're about to go there. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. as you go there, I, I really want you to share what were some of the keys that helped you to bring the supernatural into your environment? And what were some of the obstacles you had to overcome? And then share, share some of the, the stories, share some of the, the impact. So, but first bring us into, so here's like, maybe there's someone listening right now that's a leader in the business world mm. and they've yeah. never, you know, they've never been like a Daniel in the sense of, you know, brought some sort of supernatural significance to their environment. Not because they don't want to, they just don't know how. So, so put yourself in their shoes, yeah. bring yourself back to when you first started and you were in the, yeah. in the scene. And how did you bring the supernatural in? How did you, what were some of the keys that helped you unlock that oh, door yeah. in that environment? Well, I think personally, I would say it like this, like to speak to people that have no, they have, they're not musicians. This is, there's a part of this that can be inspiration, but it doesn't necessarily fit where they are. I would say that you need to recognize that it's the, it's the very simple steps that you take in your day-to-day -day life that increases your, your almost like your tolerance and your capacity for making things just a little bit weird. And I think it's important. Wow, I think it's, that's huge. I think it's like, it's like a skill Making set. things so, a little bit weird, not being afraid just, to, to make things a little, a little hey, bit weird. Yeah, because <laughs> honestly, the supernatural is not... I mean, we're, it's called to be, we're called to be normal with it in the sense of it should be a normal thing, Yeah. but it's an extraordinary thing. It really is. It it's, is a, a, it's an extraordinary thing. Well, I think in general, you know, take it like this, all of us, every single person in the whole world that's walking around would love to walk face first into some, <laughs> some cool moment, you know, it's Absolutely. like the J Jacob, Jacob, uh, laying his head down on a rock and recognizing that like, well, God was here the whole time. I, I would say it like this, like, you know, you practice building a connection and relationship with Jesus and you do it in the silence and in the smallness and in the, the confusion and the hard enduring moments of your own life. And, and it's sitting with a journal open for 12 minutes before my two-year-old wakes up and starts pulling on me. And, you know, I've, I got 18 minutes 
the next morning to try to sit silent before the Lord and journal to see if he was going to speak to me. And then my two-year-old's up and I was a single dad at this point. So it's like, I, I got to be about what my kid needs right now. I didn't get as much time as I wanted. Like you do the, you do the small like day-to-day thing. And then all of a sudden you, you sit with, and this is just a personal story. Say, say you're used to driving on your way to work and you're used to listening to music and you're used to filling that time. And for whatever reason, you just decide for a week, you're going to just turn the music off as you're driving and just allow God to bring people to mind that you're going to see at work. And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, by day four, that same person has popped up a couple times. And so you just walk up to them before the weekend and you just go, Hey, I just want to let you know, I've been, as I was driving in the morning, you've popped up in my memory a few times. And I just want to let you know something. If you need anything, you know, you just let me know. I would love to just, I'd love to pray for you or, Hey, this is what I was sensing. And so I wrote this note for you and I just wanted to give it to you. And you make it a little weird, but it makes it special. When I, I'm saying this professionally, I, I was standing in my real, in the office when I first became a real estate agent and I was trying to be pretty low key. I was stepping out of kind of full-time vocational ministry to just reset my own heart and mind. And, and I was, I was deeply scared. This is a new journey into the marketplace. I don't know what works and what doesn't. I'm standing there talking to my assistant and (laughs) someone else from another office is like, so I heard you're a preacher. And I'm like, yeah, I am. And then another lady walks by and goes, what do you like pray in tongues and like do all that weird stuff? And I'm like, <laughs> and so I just looked at her and I'm like, yeah, man, I'm a total Jesus weirdo. Like I'm totally into it. And I just went back to having my conversation. Wow. Come on. Three, Love it. three days, three days later, I get a text from that other agent. And the text said, this is probably wildly effing inappropriate, but could you please pray for me for bleh? And she had this stuff Amazing. going on in her life. So I prayed, right? Which is what you do. But then I hit her up a couple days later and said, this is what came up for me. And I'd love to encourage you. It wasn't the fact that she could ask me to pray. It was the fact, and it wasn't the fact that I prayed. It was the fact that I actually prayed, like I was going to bring it up to God. And if he said something or shared something, I was going to give back to her. Yeah. And it's solidified at this point, like a five-year friendship. She will always recommend, she says it's, she's like, yeah, Tommy's like magic. He's like a special guy. Wow. He's been there. And so that was five years ago. And all it does is it turns the heart of, and I don't mean this as a judgment against people, but I'm saying to the, to the Christian worldview, yeah. to the spirit of God, it will turn the, the, the lifestyle, the mindset of a disobedient heart it'll turn it to the wisdom that maybe God has something to say to me yeah, and just for sure. that in and of itself can. So I would just say for, for people, sure. And if, if, if I can, if I can say this too, if, if I can just add this too, that Daniel did that, hmm. Daniel did what you did. You know, he was given an opportunity where uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and he said, okay, someone's got to tell me the dream that I dreamed and then give you the interpretation. None of his crew, none of his soothsayers, yeah. astrologers, mm-hmm. none of them could get it. But then Daniel did what you did, went privately and prayed, asked God, and brought it towards King Nebuchadnezzar. And then the king then, same thing that happened to you. It's like now, it's like Daniel was recommended. He was promoted. Yeah. Because of that, he brought he brought God into the equation. That's what you did. So how did you now bring that Let's talk about how you brought that into the hardcore scene well, that had a, such yeah. influence. Well, I think that's the point is I, I want to say this just in general. Um, and it might mess me up when I say it just because it usually does. But, you know, um, I'm not embarrassed of Jesus, you know. Well, I'm really like proud of him. <laughs> so, um that was a commitment that I made to him when, when he wow. found me was like, um, he says like, why would you be ashamed of you? Why would you be ashamed of me when you can see how totally broken the system is, you know, and yeah. don't be ashamed of me. And, and so to be found in such a pure place, in such a broken place by such a pure person and feel like, dude, you're like real. 
why would I ever be ashamed of you? And so I got marked by a sense of real, I'm really, I'm like really proud of him. So that is the guiding light. So then I, I go back into my culture and I'm proud, not of like his views and what people think the stances are. I'm, pr I'm proud to be loved by him. And I could ride or die on that spot. So I show up and just go, I'm proud of him. And I want you to know that he's real. That driver like opens a door because what it's really saying is, I know what love feels like now. Yeah. It's awesome. We should want it. And people go, I do want it. I just don't want all the mess. I don't know where to look, you know, show me what's pure. And so for me, it started with what was, what sleeping giant did that created something. That's why I say it. We were led, we led intentionally with, with like love, personal love first, the supernatural, all this other stuff. It was secondary to come and meet the dude that I love. Did you know he's real? That was it. So the supernatural would break out in shows because we would pray beforehand that every time we strummed the guitars, every time drums were hit, every time we stomped and moved around, that we were releasing the presence of God into the atmosphere. We were like believing that our worship was Davidic, that it like did something to the room, that we, we were going to shift the atmosphere. But That's that huge. was only so, that was only so people could feel love. And if they could feel love and they can see him, they get to make a decision, but that's not my business. Like, it's just not my job. So we disrupted the culture in the fact that we wrote normal hardcore songs, but we played them and released them in faith that we were shifting the atmosphere so people wow. could actually hear and see them. So then if we get done with the set, people come up to us and go, you were, you were playing. I've got discs fused in my spine and I can now bend over and turn wow. my head and I couldn't before. Wow. Uh, you guys prayed for me and I had a broken whatever and it's healed. Uh, you guys prayed for me and like mir notable miracles are breaking out, but it's in the atmosphere of adoration. And so you take a culture that's traditionally so, so convicted, it's, it's warfare music and you influence it with real love for something positivity it's it's all of the best bands in the hardcore scene starting with to me some of the first originators was an all black like hardcore band from washington dc called bad brains and they just sang songs yeah. about positive mental attitude and you know we got that pma and like they they shifted everything but then they soloed and they they brought their musicianship up but they were also sharing a positive message and it went further a lot of the bands that have something to say in a scene that's mostly full of rage. When someone says something and it can cut through that noise, people respond to it because we're looking for truth. We're looking for that. So we created a lane in our scene led, led by real devotion. And it was like, we were trying to do, I was trying to do Mary of Bethany in a really angry culture, but because it was out of place and it didn't belong, it did the same thing that happens when, for whatever reason, you see Joanne in the parking lot. And instead of just getting in your car, you go, I'd love to pray for you. And she goes home and goes, thank you so much. Like that, that didn't feel like prayer. That just felt like love. And that was really good. So we can do that exact same thing. What, what disrupts the culture around us is the love that Jesus puts yeah. inside of us. That's what's disruptive to the system. And whenever we can put that on display, it slows people down or it creates a little portal of like weird, or it just gives people something to think about later. Yeah. But I have tons of friends that are satanic, like satanic. They do not believe, but they, they would say, what I love about these dudes is I know they believe. I love them because of what they did. I believe that it was real for them. And so I love them. I love their band, but like, I don't like literally I read a thing online the other day that a friend of ours said, he's like, I don't know where I'm at with the big man in the sky, but I love these guys. And I've never seen a show like what happened. So well, I, I want to, and that was kind of like what happened with King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, like, 
King Nebuchadnezzar at one point acknowledges that like the God of all gods is within Daniel and that like almost acknowledges that in a way that Daniel's God is God, but yet still doesn't really really believe it. It has to go through a process of becoming like a wild animal for a season to realize that like he actually needs God in his own life. But two of the things that you said that stood out to me, uh, and I think this connects back to supernatural leadership is love and worship. You know, and you said it like super. The supernatural is secondary, and of of course, I mean semantics. I mean, we could say that worship is supernatural. We say love is supernatural because it's True. his love. He first loved us, so totally. we love. You know, yeah, it's all we can God. kind of it's all God, it's all God in the end. But but yeah. I think you said it, and I I love it because I think at the core of supernatural leadership, we have to not just love God, but love the people that we're serving. I think that's what Daniel modeled, Dude, and then Sean I and have so and much, and, man. and worship. Find a find an avenue to learn how to worship within the environment that you've been entrusted with. So whether you're in real estate, whether you're uh, an entrepreneur leading a business, you're the CEO of a company, whether you're you know leading a a, a family and you're raising world changing kids, whether you're you know in the yeah. top of the education system, government, whatever environment you're in, loving the people, of course loving God, but loving the people, loving your environment, but then also finding a way to live your life as an uh, as an act of worship in whatever it is that you're doing. I think you mentioned it. I feel like that stands yeah. out to me that, well, that's, that yes, you're, you're playing music. You're playing music. Mm-hmm. That was your call. It's like someone's yeah. call to, you know, uh, write books or someone's call to write legislation. That's your call. But you can worship within that call, within that skill set, and actually see God move on your behalf and open the door to move in a powerful yeah. way. That's what you did. That's what it sounds like you did. Well, well I, w- I would say this too, Sean. It's like, I, and just to everybody that's listening, you know, the idea that somehow I could be in a Christian band and still be miles away from ever having to take personal risk for love outside of that, that's where you dry up and die. You know, just because you're, and that's what I'd say is we're in, we're watching a culture shift because they thought that if they could do miracles, it would mean they loved and they don't love. And so you can't make the supernatural, you can't fill the soup, you can't fill the love need that people have with miracles. That that makes Jesus manipulative. Like, oh, I'll do the miracle and that'll force you to love me. No, you the 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 miracle, the greatest miracle is that Jesus can touch a human heart and that heart can feel it and go, oh my gosh, I love you love me and I love you. That's the miracle. So the supernatural without love is nothing. And I think there's a lot of people watching the supernatural culture of the church and going, you look really powerful, but you don't look like you love. Or you look really powerful, but it looks like that power is now used to protect you, not love other people. There's going to be some answering for I, I wanted my miracles to do what my love couldn't. That, right. That's some manipulative stuff. And so I would say this, like I was at a show and I, I use this story a lot. We're at a show, a kid is dancing. He's swinging his arms and, and moshing and he breaks his arm on a post um, at the glass house in Pomona. And, and he goes out front and the EMT's like, your arm's broken. Some kids from our crew in Redlands walk up to him and go, hey, let me see your arm. They pray for him. God supernaturally touches his arm in front of the EMT. His arm gets restored in front of the EMT. Wow. And he did not become a Christian. I saw him on tour like two years later and he came up to me. I was at the show in Portland. I said, there's a kid from Portland here who got his arm broken and he got healed. Is he here? And the kid put his hand up and he was not a Christian. Um, because God doesn't take our choice ever. He doesn't use miracles to pimp people into the kingdom. He doesn't do that. He doesn't manipulate by miracles. He just, it's like the sunshine, man. Like he, he causes it to shine. You can value it or you can be pissed that you got a sunburn. He's just good because that's in his personality, man. So years later, Eric's band, Death Star is doing a reunion show. This is like 14 years, 12, 13 years later, maybe. This girl walks up to us with her husband, younger couple. He's kind of tatted down. 
and she looks really like kind of sick in her eyes. She doesn't look like she's doing well. And he said, Hey man, I don't know if you remember me, but like years ago, you you prayed for my broken arm and this is my wife, dude. And like, she's super sick and I don't know what else to do, but I wanted her to feel what I felt all those years ago. Now he's a believer, but like it didn't happen. It didn't happen for years after his broken arm got healed in front of a doctor. That doesn't take your choice away. That doesn't mean you love me. That doesn't mean I love you. Without love, it doesn't matter. And so I would say for people that are, are, wow. are thinking about this, like in your own life, in your own business, in your own journey, like personal risk can be worship. I've got a friend who's a serial entrepreneur and he kills it across the board. Multiple businesses in the Denver area, tons of pop-ups and like all sorts of stuff. He does marketing and research and he, he's just a killer. And every year God asks him to serve other entrepreneurs that he knows. And he will take all the money that's in a business account that he has and he will throw it at one event to bless a bunch of people. And it's his like, oh crap moment every year with God. Like, oh man, you're asking me to give so much. And so I just want to say to people, you know, you don't need a, you don't need the pulpit and you don't need to be in a worship band. But like, if you think that you are going to grow in supernatural leadership, really being connected to Jesus, if, if your love for him isn't forcing you to step out of that boat, man, I think you're leaving a lot on the table because it seems like even the most successful kingdom dudes I know, God still has a way of going how about this? And it's, it's the love your enemy. It's the bless those that curse. It's the, it's the give and don't get anything back. It's he, he's so subversive and so genius at how our hearts work that if you're want to, if you want to grow in supernatural connection with Jesus in the marketplace, in media, in ministry, he is going to push you to personal risk, but he, he calls that worship. I think, I think he calls that devotion we call it like, oh crap, I'm so scared. But I swear he sees it just as violent and awesome as thousands singing and dancing. It's, it's worship, man. But I think it's connected to our personal risk in our own leadership. He's gonna push you to a spot that you didn't think you could go because it's all accomplished in him. We just don't know it. So he pushes us closer to, what we think is the edge. And then we get to see how much more there is. And so, so I just felt like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really to be led by love so that you don't feel like when he invites you into the adventure that it's happening to you. He, he wants you to really go like, okay, we're doing this together. But if you're an entrepreneur, if you've got to hire someone, if you've got to serve someone, if you've got to fire someone on your team, if you've got to, to put some systems in place so that you can scale that might be the step of faith out of the boat that you don't believe you can take. Just growing your business could be a miracle between you and God. Like that could be a totally unique step. And God would call that devotion to him, even though to you, it just feels like the next step in your business. You know, maybe you need to, you need to gain three new employees before the third quarter of 2021. And you're like, I don't know how to do payroll. Like, just growth naturally. Sometimes I think he sees the risk and what it means to us and he calls that devotion, like, trust me, trust me. And so you don't have to be in ministry. You don't have to be a a Christian Bible teacher to be taking these steps of faith in your own leadership. And it feels like I'm taking all the money in my account and I'm, I'm giving it to you and I have no idea what you're doing with this. So I've just watched business owners, people in media, people that feel compelled by God to take a risk that's not comfortable. I believe that that's the stuff God writes in our book as like, that was a real step of faith for you. And not only did I bless you in the natural, but I've blessed you in some other ways. So being led by love, but then I think if we're talking leadership with Jesus, He's going to find a couple of those soft targets that really, really trouble us. And he's going he's gonna to push in those spots and go, can you trust me here? I know you're staying up till two in the morning, cycling through everything that could go wrong. Do you think I might have an answer for you? Do you want to talk to me about that? 
because I can help you. But I, I just feel like if we're talking about this, you know, if we're not talking about a band and worship and Christian expression, I just want to say that if you're just a business owner, if you're a mom, if you're an employee, if you're trying to do something, God is going to find ways to push you. So you're part of that adventure with him. So you can feel what partnership with him really is like, but in order to lead, you're probably going to have to follow. And, and sometimes he's going to find that spot that you don't necessarily want to go to, but that could be right on the other side of that comfort breakthrough is so much for you. Um, and that's what it felt like playing with, you know, deeply satanic, like metal bands and there's hatred in the room. And then we got to step on stage and do the like love thing. Like wow. if you're going to shift that environment, yeah. it feels scary. And to take that first step sometimes yeah. can be like, God, this is my reputation. Yeah. This is my name. This is relationships. Now I'm going to be that guy. Yeah. Oh, and I would just well, challenge everybody be that guy be, the be that guy go ahead like yeah do it, you know? and i think that's great tommy you, i mean you gotta break through the fear i think you're talking a lot about breaking through the fear you know there's no shame there's no fear in love and yes when we understand like how much god loves us it's a part of breaking that because when we get a hold of that it's mm. easier to love when we know we are loved i mean even yeah. one of the one of the greatest that's true you know that's commands true. is to love our neighbor as mm. our self. The problem is not that we don't love our neighbor sometimes, is that we don't love ourselves. That's the starting point. And to not love ourselves is to not know God's love for us. And I think that, you know, in this whole conversation, you know, I really hear a lot about, you know, breaking fear, breaking the fear of what people think. You kind of mentioned not being ashamed of Jesus, mm. you know, you you you, mm. you kind of worded it like I'm proud of Jesus. I, I think what you're really saying is I'm proud to be connected. I'm in union with Him, so I'm going to celebrate that. I'm going to celebrate my relationship mm. without shame. And I think that that's that's the key in this. I mean, you look at John four. You look at the story of Jesus with the Samaritan at the well, and I think it's easy to highlight the word of knowledge. You know, it's easy to highlight the word of knowledge that Jesus shared, you know, go call your husband. I don't have a husband. Exactly. You've had five husbands. The one that you're not with, the one that you're with right now is not your husband. And she's blown away. But what made a statement of love is the fact that here's a Jew, a Jewish man sitting with a Samaritan woman that culturally do not associate with each other. That in and of itself was a statement of love. That love statement by the very action of Jesus sitting down with her opened the door, I believe, to her heart. It was love that opened the door for the supernatural word of knowledge to actually mm. have the impact it was called to have. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, the guys that prayed for the one dude there, you said that got his arm healed, didn't have love. But I do believe that like love is the on-ramp for the miracle to actually have the intended impact mm -hmm. it's supposed to have. But I also believe yeah. at the same time that sometimes miracles are seeds that produce fruit later on, you know, and that, you know, That's, we said it, yeah. it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily a miracle. Jesus didn't say it's a miracle. I mean, miracles happen in front of the religious and they still were so stiff necked and blind. They, 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 they couldn't see that this is the Messiah they've been waiting for that they've studied mm -hmm. about in all the prophecies and they can't see that it's him, you know? And I think that, I think from this episode, I think what I'm really getting, what I'm really hearing, and I hope all the listeners are getting a hold of is, you know, it starts with love. It looks mm. like worship and its impact is supernatural leadership that changes the environment, you know, yeah. changes the environment. We don't know. I mean, that guy that you mentioned that had the, you know, the broken arm, got healed, you know, then years later, you know, has this encounter with Jesus, brings his wife back. You know, we don't know all the impact that his story had on other people. And so in between the arm being healed and then after him having the encounter, however long it was, and then him being at that show, like, there could have been thousands of people that were impacted by that one story of this guy named Tommy Green, uh, this band named Sleeping Giant, this crew that represents Sleeping Giant praying for this guy at a show, you know, kind of, it's kind of like a hijacking of sorts, spiritual hijacking. You go to a show to see a band. You don't go to a show to get healed. 
you know, yeah. in the bar, you know, but that, you, and was, I, that was the point. That was the point. It's like, point. you let, you let us in here. So now we get to, we get to take over for this moment and you get to feel hopefully in the atmosphere, the difference between one culture versus another. And so that would be the, the thing. And I, I'll say this too, just because I feel like I, <clears throat> we've had, whether it's like, you know, people at the, at the real estate office or it's people in, um, in connection to ministry or it's being on tour. Like I've had people that have come to me and said, we showed up in, you know, San Antonio and this couple shows up and they're like, Hey, we can't have kids. You know, we were, you know, the doctors are saying that we're not, it's not, we're, it's not possible for us to have a baby, yada, yada, yada. And, and for, uh, for me and Chrissy, even in the last like couple of years, we've had now four, miscarriages in the last two years so for people that hear this know the real details of like it doesn't work sometimes like i I get it now in a way that i didn't then but back then i'm in san antonio this couple's like hey we can't have kids the doc says we can have kids and i'm like well do you want to have a baby and they said yes so in my not knowing any better and in my faith i'm just praying i'm like well i'm gonna pray i'll pray that god would grant you a miracle that that it would defy what the doctors are saying you know, 15 months later, I meet their baby at a show, right? So I've seen those miracles, but I just want to end maybe one part of the testimony with this. We were on tour with a band that like traditionally just hated God on tour for months, a month, like eight weeks. And uh, for whatever reason, there's just a dude in the band that I, he seemed to glow to me. I was like, that's my guy. I think, I think that's going to be my guy this tour. And so I'm like hanging out with him we one day we're just chilling and I recognize that they've got baseball gloves in the van of their car. So I'm like, Hey man, you want to play catch? And he said, yeah. And so we were just playing catch, like throwing, throwing a ball behind the venue. Um, and I just asked him about his life. I was just like, yeah, like, you know, who are you? Like, where are you from? Like what's going on? And I could tell by just a handful of sentences in that there was beef. There's like a real breakdown in his family. And you know, I don't, I didn't have a very good like family relationship connection in some ways in my own life. At that point, there was plenty of relationships that just aren't, they weren't great. They weren't trusting. They weren't safe. It was, you know, I've come from a similar spot. So I'm talking to this dude and for whatever reason, I just end up encouraging him to like, maybe be cool to his dad as we're just playing catch. Um, by the end of that tour, he'd gotten a tattoo for his father of like this fish. And he told me, he's like, the reason I got this is I recognized, I realized after we talked that I had way more good memories of my father than I was remembering. Wow. And so by the end of the tour, he brought his dad, he brought his dad to the show and we talked to him. So for me, it's like, what's the miracle? Well, yeah. Like someone that couldn't have a baby, God did this, but for this other dude, he brought a relationship back online. He was able to see maybe that there was better things than he was thinking like all of all of that is supernatural all of that is it is and 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 it all counts so in that even in that moment playing catch was supernatural man i mean like just throwing the ball hanging out yeah that's that's what i'm saying going to the well it's amazing as important as some word it's more important because maybe going to the well is as important oh mic drop moment right there (laughs) (laughs) to sit with people so for me it's the catch moment yeah that that stays with me because not only is that's connection for me too so i just think about like i think we give each other i'm saying this for people that aren't interested in doing a bunch of words of knowledge for their clients and they don't want to send a bunch of prophetic words to their affiliate brokers but maybe they're going to show up in the kindness of God and be there for someone. And that's going to be a miracle too. Play it's chess. Count. Yeah. You just, just hang out with someone, have the conversation, have a for conversation. Five minutes, yeah. And all of a sudden they walk away going, I felt seen and loved and heard. And then knowing that you're the weirdo that would do that. Does that open the door for them to go? No, like I know a Jesus person and that person was awesome to me. Wow. Amazing. And then years down the road. So I think it all counts. And I guess I just, amazing. you know, there's a lot to be accountable for when you, if, if we try to make this thing one look one way, when we are so diverse as people, yeah. I think we're leaving, we're leaving so many opportunities uh, undiscovered. And so I don't know what supernatural leadership could look like for, um, for all of the listeners here, but I would just say, you know, it, I know that it feels like the way Brene Brown says it, vulnerability 
feels like fear, but looks like courage. Like when we step out in faith, when we are the weirdo in the room, it feels like fear to us, but it looks like freedom for a lot of people. They're like, dang, how did you just do? Why did you do that? And it's if love is what's compelling you, you don't mind looking like an idiot because you could get to the end of your life. And Jesus goes like, Hey, remember, remember all those times you just took that small risk to be decent. Yep. That all counts, you know? So man, that's amazing. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't think there's ever been a time where I've stepped out in what I would call like wild faith and didn't feel the fear. You know, we're not governed by the fear. We're not, we're not living in the space or the state of fear, but we feel the fear as a part of the process of stepping out in wild faith to see ultimately the impact that I think we're all called to see as leaders. I think if one thing has been said over and over again in this episode is to not box in what supernatural leadership looks like in your environment, those that are listening. Don't box it in. Don't think it has to look one way. Could it look one way? Sure. Could it look another way? Absolutely. Could it look 10 other thousand ways? Even more, of course. And I think that from this conversation, I think we have to open up our own box and say, okay, what's the open door? You know, you use the illustration or the story of playing catch with this guy. You know, maybe it's taking a break during lunch hour with one of your colleagues and just asking them how they're doing, getting into their personal life a little bit, or maybe it's playing chess during a break, or I don't know what it is for you, but finding the well moment, not just looking at Mm -hmm. the word of knowledge moment at the well, but finding the, I'm going to go to the well first. I got to get to the well before I actually see the the impact that say, let's Mm -hmm. say that we want to see, and we want to see people transformed ultimately, you know, we all want it now. I mean, who doesn't want it now? But the reality of it is there is a process uh, to get there and we have to embrace it. And so I just want to say, I think that all the listeners listening today, I just believe that some real keys have been deposited in you today. And I want to encourage you, you know, every episode we do an activation we do, uh, we encourage activation. If, if I could say just one activation for this episode for all the listeners out there to apply in this next, let's say, month, I would say find that one well moment, whatever it is, mm. playing a game with somebody, you know, asking God, you know, what, what their love language is. How do they receive love? Maybe it's buying them food. Maybe it's uh, I don't I don't know what it is buying them a gift maybe it's you know offering a ride home to somebody I don't know what it is for you I'm not going to give you more examples I want you to ask God mm-hmm. hear God on what the open door is like Tommy did for you know playing catch seeing the baseball gloves pay attention to those things cuz those things God uses to speak to you to actually unlock the door to the heart of an individual for impact in and through your leadership. So I want to thank you, Tommy, so much. Yeah, bro. For, thank you. For joining in on this uh, this episode. I really believe it's been impacting on so many people's lives, on my life. Just love hearing oh, you, man. This is, let me just say this, folks. This is the kingdom Jesus-loving version of Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> I have to say it. This I, I don't know, man. There's something about your your way, your demeanor, uh, you know, the the way you encourage, the way that you like you have the heart of a coach. You have uh, such an amazing leadership heart to help people. Mm. You inquire of people. You dig deep into people, and I think that you get people to come to their own conclusions which is, I think, one of your greatest gifts, one of your greatest assets as a leader, as a supernatural leader. Tommy Green, you are a supernatural leader, and I want to thank you for being on the show with us. And thanks to all those that are listening. Please share this this podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe to it, like it. Visit Tommy Green's podcast, just so you know, because you don't see his face. This is not the Tom Green of Hollywood. (laughs) This is the Tommy Green of Salt Lake City, Utah, former frontman of the of Sleeping Giant. Encourage yes. you check them out, download their music. But hey, we love you all. Be the supernatural leadership you are called to be. 
Thank you for listening and we will see you next time. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.